There were 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament and the birth of Christ. The synagogues became places of not just religious education, but a place to maintain and encourage the Jewish culture. Over the years, the uniqueness of culture in some ways became more important than following God's teaching. Enter Jesus. He removed the unneeded traditions, the extra cultural trappings, and made God's teaching accessible to the Romans, the Greeks, the Samaritans, the Ethiopians, and even the Jews. At least those who were willing to look beyond their traditions and see the Abba who always loved them. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi guys, welcome Hello. to the show. Um, I want you guys to start off by introducing yourselves. Tell me your name and your last name and tell me who your favorite teacher has been and why. I'm Tanya Muganda. And I would say my favorite, well, professor from undergrad college was uh, Dr. Plantak, Zach Plantak. Um, he was kind of like a mentor for me and we still keep in touch and he's the one who encouraged me to get my master's. And so, yeah, and he knew his stuff. Like when he taught the religion theology courses in college, That's he, awesome. you could tell he was passionate. He loved talking about God and the Bible, so yeah. Anissa Perez, and my favorite teacher uh, was my high school teacher, history teacher, Mr. Albright. Uh, he was, he taught history and he just breathed history. It just, you could just see the passion every time you would go in and we kind of fed off of that. And so I, I still appreciate and remember till this day and I graduated quite a while ago. So. <laughs> awesome. Hmm. Um, hi, my name is Elroy Byam, and uh, I have a few favorite teachers, but if I were to name one, it would be my second grade teacher, Miss um, Snyder. She was very creative, and she allowed uh, her students to express their levels of creativity as well, and mm -hmm. so I appreciated her for that. That's awesome. Well, I'm Kathy Berito, and I think my favorite teacher would be my fifth grade teacher. She was just so much fun, and we, at that time, we were in, in portables, uh, out, you know what portables are, right? Like, no. They're, uh, wait, are you being sarcastic? No, I'm serious. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I was in Miami at the time, and so there weren't enough uh, rooms in the school, so they had like mobile homes pretty much. That So there were mobile classrooms outside. Mm. Oh. And so on the railing along, she grew uh, plants that would, uh, that butterflies would like and caterpillars and so we always would play with caterpillars and butterflies. Aww. That's so random, but I always remember that. <laughs> so, uh, Tanya, do you mind uh, reading the key text for uh, this time around and saying a word of prayer for us? Sure. I'm reading from Luke 4, verse 32, and it says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we're here to gather uh, and do uh, some Bible study and discuss our topic for today. And I pray that you may give us all the wisdom to help us learn from each other. And we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the lesson uh, for this week is talking about Jesus, the master teacher. Uh, so it, the lesson starts off talking about authority. Uh, the authority of Jesus. When you think of the word of authority, let's not talk about the meaning right now. Let's just say 
three words each that come to your head. Control. <laughs> like how you're like, no one take that one. Negative. Negative. The police. Police. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was three, I guess. Yeah. Three each, but that's enough. Um, what is a biblical meaning of authority? When uh, the Bible talks about authority, what does it convey? Um, I think that um, I think authority, at least um, in the Bible, is one that is able to teach or uh, execute or mandate decisions. That's the way I looked at it when I saw authority in the text. In that particular text. I also think authority uh, throughout the Bible just kind of, mm, I guess you can replace it in some ways with leadership or mm. maybe not leadership, but presidency. I don't know what, what the right word for that is. So just someone that is in charge of situations. Um, when we look at the authority of Jesus, I think this is really awesome because it was a different kind of authority that Jesus mm. showed. Um, how so? He laid down the law, but he was still loving. Mm -hmm. You know, he would make sure you know the boundaries to follow, but still be loving about it. So that's what I loved about Jesus' teachings and just how he went about his authority. So mm. I would have to agree with Tanya. Um, he was just very loving. Uh, he still is loving to this day. You know, and, and he is an authority figure in our lives, but it's not negative, you know, and he, he's very loving about it. And I appreciate that a lot. Hmm. And God was the ultimate example. I mean, from his birth, you know, I mean, the guy was born in a manger. This was like a feeding thing for the animals. You know what I'm saying? So it every time he led or he taught something, it always threw people off because it wasn't used to what they um, they had expected in that time. So I think uh, an awesome Another awesome part about Jesus' authority is that he spoke to everyone. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, you know that there are some speakers that you listen to and you're just like, what is he saying? Or <laughs> I, my attention span is, can be very short at times if I'm not thoroughly like engaged in what's going on. Mm -hmm. But there are some speakers that no matter what they're talking about, like you don't want to listen to what they're saying, mm -hmm. but you do because they're engaged. And I feel like that's how Jesus was. He was able to talk to the scholars as well as, you know, people who are just starting to get to know, um, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus and his salvation. So I, I think that that's an awesome part of uh, Jesus' basis on authority. Um, if we look at... Uh, Let's look at Luke 8, 22 through 25. Can someone read that for me? Eight, Luke 8, 22 through 25? Yes. It says, One day he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and were in danger. And then they woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and, the, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him? Okay. What kind of authority is Jesus showing in that passage? 
I mean, <laughs> everything or everything and everyone mm. obeyed him when he spoke that type of authority. Okay, but that, let's not talk about that yet. No, oh. no, you're right, you're right, <laughs> okay. you're right. But rewind a little bit. Okay, all right. What kind of authority is Jesus showing by sleeping? It's very, it's very passive. I mean, the the guy is relaxed. He's laying down, you know, and he's not caring about what's happening around him at the moment. He's very calm, and I think he's expecting his disciples to do the same. But they're using their levels of reasoning. Uh, it's a storm. We're on a boat. We're going to drown. Jesus, where are you, you know? And, God, and Jesus is like, relax, you know, relax. And then he, after he tells them to relax, in a sense, he tells the storm to relax. Yeah, so. and that's what, like, and, and I think that that's, probably what sticks out the most is that the mm -hmm. fact that he just stood up and was like, be still. And, mm -hmm. it, and it was, you know? <laughs> and I, I think a lot of the time when we think of authority, we think of that. Um, mm -hmm. But look at the other side of that story. And that's why I love it so much because, you know, Jesus was passive. And in a way, he was kind of, like you said, expecting his disciples to also be passive as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's a kind of, uh, a different kind of leadership, a different kind of authority. Um, let's go on to the next question. Uh, show me a Christian and I will become one. Uh, this is an ironic saying um, attributed to many who admire the greatness of Christ's teaching, but dismiss it as impractical. How do you answer such a challenge? Hmm. Man, I think it's tough to practice what you preach. You know, we have this tendency to know what's right, doctrinally know what's right, but um, to put it into practice, it's it's a lot tougher. And so, uh, yeah, to say, show me a Christian and I'll become one, people are literally saying, well, show me your lifestyle. Show me this great philosophy that you're presenting to me. And uh, and maybe so, if I see it, um, then I'll follow it. But it's, it's really hard to really um, mimic, you know, what we read in the scriptures. It's countercultural. So when, if we look at the, the phrase, like, show me, show me a Christian and I will become one, what what is the first, like if someone were to say that to you, what would they be arguing for or against? Like when would they say that to you? I guess uh, if they feel like you're being a hypocrite, excuse mm -hmm. me, when they feel like you're judging them, like if you claim to be a Christian, then mm -hmm. don't judge me. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's also another way of show me a real Christian and then maybe I'll become one. Don't mm -hmm. judge me, don't be critical or, you know, I think things like that. So Probably. by saying show me a Christian, is that implying that there aren't very many I, I, I don't know. That's the first that, thing that oh, I thought. Yeah. So. It's hard to, yeah, to walk the walk and talk the talk, I yeah. guess, type of. Well, I look at, like, show me a Christian. For me, a Christian, somebody asked me, Kathy, uh, what's a Christian? It's a believer in Christ. But it goes deeper than that. You know, it's being mm -hmm. an example. And I think that when we think of authority, uh, when we think of Jesus as a master, uh, we also think of him as an example. And I think that in his case, in like, in uh, his teachings, I think being a, having authority and being an example go hand in hand. You mm -hmm. cannot have authority and not be an example. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, Okay, let's go on to the next question. Identify the elements uh, that Christ would like to see in his new family on earth. Hmm. Man, I just look at it as, um, you know, us just being other-centered, you know, being loving, being compassionate. And these are things that I think Christ constantly tried to implement in his disciples, implement in his storytelling, and implement in his lifestyle. 
he just came to show that, look, he wanted to establish, in a sense, the kingdom of heaven. Here on earth, just saying, look, the citizens of heaven don't act like this. You know, they're not fighting for position. They're not jockeying for power. They're not, they're not looking for this explanation as to just why. You know, um, they, they follow and obey God's will in love. So, yeah, it's a, just a completely different philosophy. So I think Christ um, and his new family just wants to see those elements. Any other elements? It, it, to add to that. Oh, oh go ahead. I, did you mention being humble or? Well, you did now. So. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, guess now. And being humble because uh, Jesus had the type of authority. He was humble about it. He wasn't proud or, and I think that's another uh, good example of showing us who Jesus Sorry. Who he wants us to be here on earth. Yeah, those type of elements. Sorry, go ahead. I don't know if you mentioned. You did now. You're about to. Like serving others. I think that's one of the things I most admire about, you know, Jesus when he walked on this earth is that, you know, with the authority, he could have just, you know, laid back in his royal chair and just commanded things, you know, but he actually went to the different villages. And like you said earlier, he he spoke with everyone, no matter what class, race, religion, but he served them. You know, he was a servant leader. And I think that he would like to see that in the new family as well. I think that all these... Uh, like words that we're saying, servant leader, um, off, like authority, but also example. Like all of these are just, like they all intertwine into like the ultimate master teacher that mm. we're talking about in the lesson. Um, and that we should try to exemplify. Um, not to call you out, but <laughs> uh, when you think of a teacher, Mm-hmm. Like an, I mean, aside from Jesus, an exemplary, right word? Exemplary. Exemplary, <laughs> sorry. Teacher, uh, what would be the one thing that, you know, would stick out to you that, that they would help you learn? Am I right? Yeah, I that hear they would you. Help, that, that they mm-hmm. would, like, hear, help you grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing, that Jesus doesn't just help you physically, but help you mentally. Does that? Mm. Yes. Mm. 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 Help you grow. Okay, Mm. we're going to go to the next question. (laughs) Um, How practical a concept is loving others as yourself? Before we go there. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's talk about the Good Samaritan. Um, Would someone like to just, like, in a synopsis, talk about the story? What happens? So... Um, man, I, I got to really remember. I think there was a guy that was traveling somewhere in between uh, uh-huh. Jerusalem and Jericho, and uh, he gets robbed by some thieves, and, you know, they leave him there for dead. And so certain people walk by of different cultures and practices, and they just completely ignore him, stay away from him as what they were taught. And then the Samaritan comes by um, from a completely different, um, you know, cultural background as this guy. They weren't even supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. together in the same space. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, cleans up his bandages, takes him to, I believe, you know, a, a hotel or inn at the time, you know, pays for his stay and, and just completely, you know, flips this concept of um, servanthood on its head, you know, um, and is truly loving this guy as himself, you know, ultimately. And why is that important? Why, why do we need to do that? I mean, other than the fact that it's clear in the Bible and in every quote on the street and... 
in everything that everybody says. Because I know in scripture, and I don't know exactly where it's found, but it says if someone says, you know, I love Christ, but I don't like my fellow brother mm -hmm. or sister, mm -hmm. I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's important to to love my, you know, horizontally and vertically. As we progress, it gets harder to love our neighbors. And I might be wrong, but I just feel like there's so many other ways of you're on the road. This is an example. You're, <laughs> you're on the highway and you see that somebody gets in an accident in front of you. You're in a rush. You're going to be late to work and you're already five minutes late. So what do you do? Pick up the phone, call 911. You're still helping them, but are you really helping them? I'm not saying that the right thing to do is pull over or, or not. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying like back then, you know, it was, I feel like it was easier to love your neighbor as yourself. Is that, yeah. what do you guys think? I don't know if it was easier, and I think that's why Christ continued to try to embed this new idea, this new philosophy to other people, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily easier because, you know, of the culture and the time and how a lot of people just um, in some ways kept to themselves and, and kept to their practices. So I, I can't say it's much easier, but I think... Uh, but, I mean, I, yeah. I, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just... Mm -hmm trying to poke around here because yeah. even now as much as we as much as we've advanced we still have cultural differences and uh many occasions where you know a certain race will not go into a certain neighborhood because of a certain race and yeah. like even now it's still hard for us to so like we're still facing those challenges i feel plus some mm -hmm. does that make sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, how could we practically put that aside? Well, I was going to say something to, like, I think what you said, that like it was easier back then to help. Uh -huh. Actually, I feel like it's a little bit more difficult to help now, you know, because I remember my grandfather who came to this country in the 40s, perhaps, from Puerto Rico. Wait, did you say it was easier to help now? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, no, no, it's hard. It's more difficult, difficult. now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Opposed to how you said earlier, okay. you felt like it was easier back then. Mm -hmm. um, so my grandfather came here from Puerto Rico in the 50s, the 40s, 50s. Um, and he, he would see people on the side of the road hitchhiking, you know, like the, the thumb, the classic thumb sign. Mm -hmm. And he would pick people up and take them, you know, the next town over, New Jersey. You know, nowadays, if I see a hitchhiker, you know, maybe they do need a ride and they don't have enough money for a bus fare. But am I going to really pick someone out, up? Um, it's a little scary. And I, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It seems a little I, bit more I, difficult now. I agree. Yeah. And I don't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I come from a culture where you know your neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know who's next to you. You know that if there's a person walking by a lot in the neighborhood that you haven't seen before, you know that. Here, if you see a person walking by, they can walk by every, you know, every day. You have no idea who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like we're, it, that makes things harder. Uh, how can we change that? Can we change that? Is it too late? Because honestly... If you're in a city, a big city, in the middle of the night, and there are 
not many people around and you're in a dark alley and mm -hmm. somebody asks you, hey, can you help me? My leg hurts. Can you help me walk to the next corner? <laughs> I so literally scary. will go yeah, and run away. There, I literally yeah. will run yeah. away, to be honest. And I don't like that because we shouldn't need to. I don't know. It's well, like you can't really trust people because people mm -hmm. take advantage of you and it's scary. If you're it a is. nice person, they'll be like, oh, take advantage of that person, rob them and do whatever. So I don't know, it's, it's tough. But I think it, it can be possible out there. But, you know, you just gotta, I don't know, pray to be led by the Holy Spirit to figure out if that person is someone you should help or, you know, offer. I completely help. agree with Tanya. You know, you need some serious discernment there. Um, at the same time, uh, yeah, you, you need to truly find a way to be connected. You know, I think a lot of times we spend a lot of, you know, attention in screens, you know, on our phones, on the television, even though, you know, this is a show and we encourage people to watch. Um, a lot of times we're so busy looking down that we're not looking up. Wow. You know, and not looking up, one, at people, and two, not looking up at God, right? And so when you're not looking at people, you're not able to assess their needs. Absolutely. So it's hard to really just look up at someone for a few seconds and assume that they're okay. You know, so I'm assuming this guy walking by and sees this good Samaritan, he, he took a good amount of time to really look at him and see that he wasn't in the best situation, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, apply, it applied back then, and it still applies today that, you know, we need to look up and, and, and reach out to those who are in need. I remember one thing that really stuck out to me a, a few years ago. Uh, I was out with some friends, and there was a homeless uh, person on the side of the road asking for money. And I remember like looking at him like, oh, he's probably going to use it for drugs and walking away and saying that out loud. And my friend was like, Gadi, <laughs> that's, not, mm. that's not up to you to decide. Like Jesus tells you to give. You know, if you have, give. Like, it, it doesn't matter if they are or not going to use it for that. I mean, ultimately, it does matter. But, like, you know, and, and I started thinking about it. It's like, it's true. We go around this earth, like, assuming that everybody else is bad. Yeah. And uh, we're so, like you said, uh, focused in on our in our own world, in our phones, in our computers, in our own little things that we, even in our churches in our religion in mm -hmm. our community service sometimes that we're doing right here and we don't realize that you know when you're going home to, from home to the supermarket and back you have a chance right there mm -hmm. you know to make a difference we always do yeah we always do and I think that that's one way that we could change that you know change how how the world is viewed right now as far as like people being mean or mm. taking advantage taking advantage of us I don't know what other ways do you think that we can well I have a not a funny story but uh, I know that Tanya said that she would you would pray or to pray to see you know for discernment and I remember when I was younger I, I was driving so I wasn't that that young but I would you know be in the intersection you know driving and at the red light and would see people asking with their cardboard sign. And mm -hmm. I was like, God, I want to know if this person's being for real, that they really need money, you know? Because, I mean, I can hold the sign, but maybe I don't really need money. And I would say, Lord, send a green car to pass right now if you want me to <laughs> <laughs> give my $5 to this gentleman or this woman. 
And I remember a couple of times, like when I would ask, I would be very specific and say, pass, you know, a green car or a blue car, and it would happen, and I would, you know, give it. So I, I feel like, even though it's a little corny, but you know, in different situations, you know, because we we do read things on the in the newspapers or we see it on TV in the Fox Five or you know, uh, and we are a little bit fearful to help one another. But I think if we really put you know, our faith in God and ask him, Lord, you know, please help me to find ways to help this person. Even if it's not monetary, mm. maybe I can help him in other ways and lead him to you, essentially. Absolutely. And that's awesome that you mentioned that because that leads us right into our next question. Um, how can be, we be sure that God let us, uh, led me to do this? Um, did he really do it? Or like when we hear God's calling or when we hear you know, do good or that's too, that's too easy. But when we hear something, you know, how do we really know that that's God talking to us? Man, that's such a, a loaded question. I think it's tough, you know. Um, sometimes you just, you have to trust, you know. Uh, and sometimes you may never see the fruits of your actions at that moment. But, you know, you trust in knowing that God is going to use that action and then use that person for, uh, for transformation. You know, it's really tough to know. We always want to know, and sometimes yeah, right. we just can't, you know, and God's just asking us to trust and say, let me do the rest. You know, we did our part, so let me finish it. You know? Yep, step out in faith. Sometimes you got to step out in faith mm -hmm. and say, okay, God, I hope this is what you want me to do. I hope mm -hmm. you're leading. Let me do my part, do the best I can, and right. something good, yeah, will come but out of it. I feel like some, sometimes hard. that, yeah, that's so hard. It's hard and so. what if it's a situation with, it's about a friendship. Like mm. God doesn't want, I feel like God doesn't want a friendship, like doesn't want me to be friends with Tanya, but God is talking to Tanya and is like, you know, go and mend the relationship with, with Gadi. You know, how do you know? Hmm. Sometimes when you talk with other people, cause God can use yeah. people and different, you know, things mm -hmm. to kind of, show you, maybe this is God trying to tell me something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What would you guys I, I would say that, that God doesn't confuse. He's not a God mm -hmm. of confusion. Mm -hmm. And when God speaks, there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. you, know, the, you know, he gives you peace about a situation. If mm -hmm. you pray and say, God, lead me to X, Y, and Z, and he leads you, you know, he, he, gives, you, he gives you peace. I was going to say, sorry, I got, I got to say, I love what Anissa just said. I mean, he's not a God of deception, so it makes perfect sense. You know, he's going to lead you in the truth, and it should make sense, you know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us at the thank show you. today. Thank you. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to talk about, you know, the authority that Jesus has and how we could, you know, reflect that authority. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy Brita.